I just love what you do for me. You're so reliable, smart and incredibly well-connected. <clears throat> Excuse me, could I pay for my meal? Oh, of course, just having a moment with my Combank Smart Terminal. Tap away. Feel a stronger connection. With extra connectivity, you're always payment ready. There's more to love with the Combank Smart Terminal. Mm, it is a nice terminal. Eligibility criteria, fees and T's and C's apply. Hey, welcome to the Medicubes podcast, where we bring you all that's good, exciting and sometimes challenging in primary health care. I'm Chris Spee, joined by my good friends Kim Pointer and Rivka Hagen. Together we bring a wealth of experience and passion, as well as being in the thick of what's going on in our industry. We used to have a laugh, debrief and chat about all the big issues and what was happening in our own professional worlds and invite you to join us in this conversation. So join us and our invited guests every month to bring you a lighthearted take on the latest, greatest and controversial issues and a few pearls of wisdom along the way. In the spirit of reconciliation, we acknowledge the traditional custodians of the lands on which we meet and pay our respects to the elders past, present and emerging. A hearty welcome from Viripar country. And uh, Rivka Hagen here. I'm meeting you from Jajawurrung country. And a big hello from Turbul and Jagara country. Hey everybody, welcome to this episode of Medicubes. Really excited to be back with you once again. And today our fabulous guest is Miranda Grace. Miranda is the Chief Executive Officer of APM and brings her extensive experience across executive business event and relationship management, both in Australia and the UK. So a very worldly guest we have here today. Um, Miranda is a staunch advocate for practice managers and the importance of the work that they do. She is dedicated to APM's vision of practice management being universally recognised and valued at the centre of effective healthcare systems and sustainable businesses for optimal patient outcomes. So many things from that sentence uh, I know will resonate with us as a panel. So Miranda, welcome to the Medicubes podcast. Thank you very much. Thanks for the invitation. And before we kick off, Miranda, I know that you know Riff and Chris really well. Your reputation precedes you and, and I've heard them speak so fondly about you. And I'm just curious to know, from my perspective, as well as our listeners' perspective. Tell us a little bit more about you. Sure. So I actually, way, way, way back when, I actually started as a receptionist in a medical practice. That was my first job. And like most people, worked my way up to be a practice manager back in the day when it was all paper and pencils and erasers, none, none of this <laughs> pen stuff. And the most exciting new piece of equipment was an electric pencil sharpener that was yeah. that was game changing. So I, that was sort of where I started. Then I journeyed off into travelling because obviously I had gone straight from school into the workforce and a lot of my friends had decided to travel, but I decided that I wasn't going to do that. And through that, I decided through my career in that practice, I really want to stay in medicine and get into being a physician or clinician in some way, but thought, no, I better go and have a holiday now. I better go and do the travel. So off I went for my three-month European backpacking adventure and I came home three and a half years later. <laughs> so, And that's really where I fell into the event management side of things because that was where I was able to adapt those customer service skills into I needed to get a job and hotels, there's plenty of those in London. So I thought, yep, I can do that. 
So it's really it was able to transfer those administration customer service skills that I had learned in the first few years of my career over into that. And then through that, I developed a rapport around planning and organisation, you know, making sure everything was organised. Practice managers who are listening would be like, yep, know that one. <laughs> You're talking and to your people, yeah. Yeah, talking to my people. And then from there, I obviously got a bit of a reputation being a very committed person to the role that I took. So I was able to do some pretty exciting activities and events, including I did the world premiere launch for the film Titanic back in wow. wow, which was pretty cool oh. and got a pretty good reputation amongst the film industry. So there was a lot of high-profile people and high-profile events that I was I was I feel very fortunate to have had that experience. And then I um, came back to a humble Australia and Melbourne and continued my career in the not-for-profit sector here and did some work for a couple of backfill practice manager roles. And then I got really into the, I'm a Melbourneian, so I had to do sport. So I had to be in the AFL, I had to be in the A-League and I had to do tennis. So I did all those and, and Tennis Australia was really my turning point in the partnerships game. And I, back then I was responsible for $32 million worth of income for our partnership portfolio and one of those. So that was the 2010 season when Roger won. Love Roger. And, First name uh, basis, I love that. Just Roger. Yeah, Rog that's right. Yeah. Good old Roger yeah. and I, we go way back. <laughs> love it. <laughs> Everybody who thinks he's a very humble, very generous, honest, down-to-earth sort of guy, that's my experience with him as well. He's a lovely man. But I certainly learned that corporate market and the power of the corporate market and the importance of those cross-relationships. I did that for a few years and classic burnout as one does and then thought, no, I really need to head back into the direction that I really wanted to and ended up being in a um, few things in between but really ended up being back in healthcare where I think I really belonged. So I think I did a full 360. How's that for a humble That's... question? We hear that you've been involved in the Titanic, a massive big <laughs> you've, you've You've met good old Rog. I mean, goodness me, I'm so glad we asked that question, Miranda. That's an epic CV in itself. Yeah, that's very diverse in lots of things, but I was very fortunate. I'm very humbled by the opportunities that have come my way. And back in the day, people used to have a crack at you if you say, oh, you'd go to the opening of an envelope. And I remember my my mum saying to me, you never know if it's your last envelope. Yeah. And I thought, what a great thing to say. So I think when we get opportunities presented, we have to sometimes take that leap because you don't know where they're going to lead. And when I reflect on my career and where I am now, I wouldn't have been here without all the experiences and that journey that I went on and the lifestyles and the people and the cultures that I've met along the way. So I feel very blessed into being in this role. Amazing. Well, it's so lovely to finally meet you. Well, speaking of history, uh, keeping on that sort of trip down memory lane, APM is an association that I think everyone in practice management knows about. Can you tell us a little bit, you know, the history of the association, but also what's the what's the role of the association? Help help get everyone to speed and for our overseas listeners, maybe educate them a little bit on, on what the association's all about. Sure. So AAPM, the Australian Association of Practice Managers, it used to be, and then as that grew, it became the Association of Practice Management because, as we That's know, managers. <laughs> Showing my age there by calling it the wrong name. No, no, no. And it's it's just you know what? It's part of the evolution of the association. So it was born in January 1979. So we're 44 years strong. It had quite humble beginnings and passionate people 
you know, a bunch of passionate individuals. And that has grown into where we are now and obviously the future of where we're headed. So primarily the role is to support practice managers to deliver excellence in healthcare management to themselves and their teams. And one of the things, obviously we do that through our education networking and other support services we have as part of our membership. One of those being a HR advisory service, which is free for members. And obviously in the last few years, that's been a key access point for many of them as they go. But AAPM itself has gone from strength to strength. And I think, you know, there's been finally a bit of recognition now about the role of the practice manager. And the term practice manager is just one of many. We know that practice managers might be called business managers, operation managers. We understand that. So for the context of this, I'm referring to practice managers, but I mean all and sundry mm. who live in that space. And they're so vital. And I think, you know, when people talk about why you should be a part of AMPM, it's ultimately you are connecting with your peers and practice managers is such, they have such an isolated job. They are not dissimilar to a CEO because they don't, they carry a lot of burden from the top and under and they get stuck with it all and they really have to navigate through all sorts of activities which is not different. And so you're quite siloed and you're quite isolated. So I think networking is a really powerful, industry networking with your peers is a really powerful thing. And I think we see that, especially in our face-to-face activities where there's so much engagement and joy. So I think that's really great. Miranda, I've been a fan of uh, the association and and of course your work for uh, for quite some time, but I, I loved your referencing of the role of a, a practice manager as not being dissimilar to a CEO role. And that's not something that practice managers necessarily get to hear so often. There is so much downplaying of the role. And so I, I'd love to explore that a little bit more too, because I think there will be sort of great value in recognising the key nature and the seniority of that role as well. Do you want to say a bit more about that? What? Sure. Well, I obviously in this role, I liaise very closely with our state presidents and I look at them as my peers. Even though they are in a technically volunteer capacity, they are my peers because they are the eyes and ears and the leaders on the ground. I think the if you look at a job description of a CEO and a job description of a practice manager, there is a lot of similarities. Probably the only difference I would think might be around the accountability and the authority, maybe in some instances. But if you think about fundamentally what we have to do, we have to be organised. We have to lead. We have to manage teams of people. We have to manage various stakeholders. Those stakeholders, in my case, might be our members and our corporate partners, etc. where in a practice manager's role they might be the doctors or the practice owners and the patients. So you can see there's a lot of similarities. And Rivka, you're 100% right in that practice managers are so humble that they don't actually stop and recognise the role they have and the importance that they have. And that is something that I know that I bang on about um, a lot because I feel very privileged to be in the role that I have knowing that who I represent. So I think that a lot more practice managers just stop and reflect on what they actually do and their contribution, not only to the business they're in, but to the community that they work in. Yeah, great words. And and I would say too, one of the key differences also is in remuneration, which I know is a sticking point 
even without the tagging of, of sort of a CEO type of role. So there's lots to explore there. What really struck me then, something that you said there, Miranda, I think something that maybe a CEO doesn't have as much as what a practice manager does is just the impact on the community that they're part of. Um, you know, I, I know when I was back in my practice manager days, knowing patient names and knowing who was in the community and what was going on and what people needed and being confided in how to help was made the role of practice manager pretty critical to the community. If you think about the last, you know, two, three years, with COVID, how has the role of AAPM changed during COVID to support all those amazing practice managers on the front line? Yeah, I think that COVID was a bit of a silver lining actually for the association and for the role of a practice manager. I think it was thrust into the forefront that this is how things get done. So one of the things that was very clear was the department was sending out information. There was news alerts, there was all sorts of things happening. But when AAPM received the information, we digested it, we read it, and we made it quick bullet point things. These are all the things you need to know. If you want to read the whole thing, go for your life, but these are some of the key things you need to know right now. And things were happening very quickly. So we had to be very responsive. And I think that that certainly saw the pickup in our membership numbers. We saw a lot of people who were dormant become reactivated because there was the need and the urgency and that timely information was really, really important. And we also got the recognition from the department that they knew the cut through was through us, not fire and PHN, not fire this, not fire that. And also there's no point sending the latest information about doses and whatnot just to GPs because they're not necessarily going to be the ones who have to organise the staff and the files and everything else. So I think there was a lot of learnings from top down, which I think was really great. And and I'm curious to know, like on that point, um, we had Karen Booth from APNA. You're probably well versed in who Karen is and, you know, her role, particularly within the APNA team. We talked about advocacy. So, you know, you're just talking then about giving people the bite-sized pieces of information, survival tips and tricks, right? But in terms of your role and, and your organisation's role, what kind of role do they have in advocating for primary care moving out of COVID? We have all sorts of advocacy. We yeah. are out there with our drum, bang, bang, bang. Um, look, the, the one that's always been the case and we are relentlessly building on is the recognition. And the recognition is absolutely paramount because without a practice manager, there is no practice. You can have people that will come in, and we've seen it a lot where the re you know, a receptionist will be elevated quite quickly, but they won't necessarily have the core competencies that they need to manage that practice manager role. And I'm not saying for one second that if you're a receptionist, you don't have them. I'm just saying when you come in, there is a series of learnings that one must have. I would really like to ask the question to the department, what would happen to the healthcare system without practice managers? What if they just decided, no thanks? I think there's a lot of complexities to the role that aren't recognised. So that's part of the recognition piece that we're going to be doing. We obviously got onto the Strengthening Medicare Task Force, which was a huge coup. And we also had the opportunity to have a private audience with Minister Butler himself. And that was really powerful to get some understanding and, and teach him a little bit in, in who we are, what we do and where our role sits. We continue to push for recognition on the pick or the whip. That's a really important one. If 
all these other people are recognised, why isn't the one cog that helps run a practice recognised? Mm. So we're not going to stop until that start, you know, and, and, and until we continue to um, get a more dynamic position on some of these committees and task forces. And it is hard because there are a lot of competing voices. But what was really evident at the Strengthening Medicare Task Force table was the support and recognition we have from the other peak associations. And practice managers are absolutely a collaborative source. And the more we can do together will be the way sustainable healthcare systems will evolve. I think when people work siloed and everyone's out for their own agenda, it doesn't actually lead to change and lead to that community care, which we are all about. Fantastic. And if you think about moving forward um, and, you know, thinking about metropolitan and if we're thinking about the pip and the whip and you're thinking about metro and rural, are you seeing that there's more support needed in one area particularly than the other or what what do you see the main difference between those two areas? Well the pip and the whip we know is really just GP centric so we cover all healthcare practices doesn't matter whether it's specialist allies so that's one area for GP. I actually think that to answer your question metro regional rural all need help they just have different levels of need as it rolls. So Metro has different wants, needs and activities compared to regional and rural. Obviously, we've seen in the media and the rural and regional locations are really struggling because there's less opportunity. And even though there might be one opportunity here, you have to really make a commitment to that community where Metro, you will see people can jump from one practice to another. Where you go to a rural or a regional location, you become a part of that community. And that's really important. And they need the systems around them to be able to integrate into that system. And if someone's going there, you know, they might be going with their family or a partner or what. who knows what they might be going for. So I think there's different pressure points, but we certainly have across the board a need for more skilled practice managers and the education piece is the absolute vital point at the moment and that is what we are really pushing to really get that recognition and building on the importance of understanding the role and Rivka is a fellow and being a fellow is one of it's like the most prestigious category of membership we have next up is life so you have to keep hanging in there Rivka but the <laughs> fellowship really important and so is the certified practice manager credential so we need more people to mm. stop and recognize that get their teeth into it and really be the leaders of practices yeah look yeah absolutely too i think you know that credentialing and recognition of you know, skills and, and years of service and you know the reliability of a skill set is really important to ensure that you you get some consistency on your know, practice management uh, quality as well. And I was going to say, well, I've been around AAPM for quite a while. I'm not going anywhere. I've been a member for a long, long time. And uh, yeah, I'll, I'll certainly be, be hanging around, no doubt about that. Uh, but what else is on the cards for AAPM? So, you know, you've spoken about that need for really bolstering the education and the skills of, of the uh, up-and-coming practice managers. Are, are there any other focus areas that we should be aware of? So the education is one of our 
obviously the key, you know, because it underpins everything. And that is looking at being re-engineered at the moment to be able to offer a solution for our emerging practice managers or somebody who might be quite green in the role, not necessarily by age, but in the role, right through to the more advanced masterclass type. So we're always offering something across the spectrum of the role and there are always things that change. So they're different things that we're looking at. We've also just rebranded our education series to call Bitcoin Educare, which is about all of that education and caring for our needs. And the other things that we are wanting to do is looking at bolstering our award and recognition portfolio. So we have a bit more of a cross-section around those areas. And of course, our scholarships, which is a huge part of education and getting more people involved in that as well. So the credentialing, as you've already mentioned, along with the you know, re-engineering that education piece at the moment is probably our key focus for this year. And one of my favourite things every year is conference, is getting everyone together. Um, where are we off to this year? What are we going to be enjoying? Because uh, I'm going to start working on the dancing shoes. Uh, that's always a big <laughs> important part of it. Well, fortunately for you, we're headed to Adelaide. So you'll be able to hit the Barossa or McLaren <laughs> before you hit the dance floor. So you'll be all set. I think um, more just for everyone else's off- comfort to be drunk before they see me hitting the dance floor is, a, is, a, is an important thing. <laughs> so we're off to the Adelaide Convention Centre from the 10th through to the 13th of October. We have a great program. It's another very, if for anyone who hasn't been before, it's a super engaged, involved integrated program and we really welcome anybody whether you've been before or whether you're the first time we have activities from the very first time attendee through to our regulars where you might see chris on the dance floor opposed to somebody who's not sure if they should dance with chris so you know we've got the full spectrum there'll be a lot of fun and we'll be having the usual activities along with a few new exciting ones All right. Well, we're out of time once again. Can you believe how quickly these episodes, they just fly by? Hopefully for those listening, um, whether you're driving or at home or wherever you are, uh, they fly by for you as well. Um, Miranda, thank you so much for being um, a guest of the podcast. Um, I think for me, the bit I'll take away is just that relentless advocacy for us as a profession. And uh, I expect to see you out there beating the drum. Uh, in real life somewhere, uh, at maybe a conference, uh, who knows. But yes, having someone there beating the drum. Riv, what are you thinking? Oh, look, I cannot get that picture out of my mind of, you know, Miranda schmoozing with uh, with, with Roger Federer. That's <laughs> that's totally sticking in my head. Uh, but likewise, I am super keen to catch up with everyone again at conference time, so I'll, I'll definitely be there. Yeah, my thoughts are that any new PM that's going into a role you just cannot beat joining an organisation that you have networking opportunities, education opportunities, you've got people advocating for you. And, you know, I think you highlighted, Miranda, it is so isolating often out there. And when you, you know, I've been doing quality improvement in general practice for a number of years now. And when you get a new, you know, practice manager out there who's never done this before, there is just so much support required and so much, as you said, education required. So my final parting word would be if you're new to practice management, join because you're just going to get so much help and assistance and there's just, you can't beat it. And Miranda, any parting words from you as we wrap up an episode? 
Having words, so thank you for the opportunity to come and join this amazing award-winning podcast. They'll come. And it has been an absolute delight and I just am really in all of our practice managers and I think all of us are there with you in spirit, uh, if not on the ground in some way, shape or form. So keep up the amazing work. Amazing. Thank you very much, Miranda. And thank you very much for listening to this episode. See you later. Thanks for listening to the Medicubes podcast. Make sure you subscribe via your favourite podcast listening app so you don't miss an episode. Medicubes is brought to you by Cubico, MediCoach and Medical Business Services with technical support from the awesome crew at Talking Health Tech. This podcast presents information of a general nature and we recommend that you obtain professional advice for your individual circumstances always. We'd love to hear your feedback, questions and suggestions for future topics on the show. Make sure you visit us via the Minicubes website, which you can access via the show notes of this episode. Also, if you're enjoying the show, write us a nice review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and share it with someone who might get some value from it so we can continue to share these important messages with more people. Speak to you next time.